Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Building Efficiency Podcast presented by Nenny and Associates. I'm your host, Jim Schaefer. Now, if this is your first time tuning in, Nenny and Associates is an executive search firm focused on the building efficiency industry, hence why we named the podcast the way that we did. And simply put, we help our clients find the right talent. And each week, we sit down with leaders from the industry to discuss their backgrounds, how they got started, and where they see the industry heading. We also get to know our guests and find out what drives them to be successful. Now, today's episode, episode 57, we sit down with Bryant Eckert from Huntington Bank. Awesome episode. Really enjoyed my conversation with Brian as he talks about his background and really how Huntington is positioned today to support their public sector customers and also how they're partnering with the ESCO community. Now, although this stuff was great, be sure to stick around until the end to hear about Brian's daily non-negotiables. Really powerful stuff there. Now, if you haven't done so already, be sure to subscribe to our channel and consider downloading this episode in future episodes. This is the only way that we can track how many people are listening. So if you're still one of those people out there who are streaming the episodes, I urge you to consider hitting that download button instead. And if you enjoyed this episode, please share it and leave a five-star review. Now we think you're really going to enjoy this conversation between Bryant and I. So let's drop in. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Building Efficiency Podcast. Today we're sitting down with Bryant Eckert, who is the Director of Energy and Vendor Relations with Huntington Bank. Bryant, welcome to the show. Jim, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm really excited for this conversation. And uh, you and I connected a a couple of weeks ago, so I'm glad we scheduled and, and made this thing happen. So before we get into everything that you're doing with Huntington, let's take a step back Tell our audience a little bit about your background, where you grew up, and then how you got started in the industry. Yeah. And, you know, first thing I have to say is a disclaimer. People say that I sound like Jim Gaffigan on <laughs> my voice. So this is actually Brian Eckert from Huntington Bank and not Jim Gaffigan meeting with you today. Well, but, if you're um, half as funny as Jim Gaffigan, then we're all going to be in for some laughs. Well, and I started to take offense because then I was like, I don't, do I look like them too, guys? I mean, come on. But uh, no, it's been a, it's been, you know, kind of a funny thing that's come along the way and how many people have said it. So um, I thought I'd just get that out of the way so that people are kicking themselves saying, who, do, who does that guy sound like? That's awesome. But, uh, but yeah, so, uh, you know, I've, I've been in, uh, I've been a graduate of Ohio University and uh come into the workforce uh, in good timing on September 10th, 2001. So uh, I worked at the World Center building in DC across from Lafayette Park. And uh, that was my last day on that job. So I started my career in a very interesting fashion. And wow. uh, so since then, I uh, you know worked at a law firm and uh, realized at the time, uh, especially working on Enron and some other things, uh, that law school was not something that I wanted to to do, but uh, and I transitioned into into finance and then kind of into public finance. So I've been in public finance for over 15 years and uh, have really kind of worked from the bottom up. And so I've been able to see all types of financings and some of my favorite parts of uh, you know in finance was working with developers and then within development, just some of the projects and what you see and then how it's transitioned to energy. And then what I've also done is provided loans to governments and municipalities um, that would include school districts and nonprofits. But along the way, I, uh, 
you know, kind of found this little niche business in the energy sector. Very cool. Well, all right. So before we we get into that, I feel like we got to go back a little bit further. And I'm only asking this because you and I did speak about this briefly. I want to hear about the uh, the gritty Cleveland roots and kind of how you grew up. Tell us a little bit about that. Absolutely. Um, you know, it's it's funny because I think one of the things I brought up to you is that when I wasn't going into kindergarten, which is ironic because my dad is, or excuse me, my daughter's going into kindergarten this year. Um, my dad actually, in 1983, there was an energy crisis and he saw a local ad for tax breaks. And so, I, you know, my dad being the guy that would take any tax break, um, decided to buy a solar addition. And we lived in kind of a cookie cutter neighborhood where all the houses looked alike. And he actually stripped off the front of his house, kind of like, you know, and feel the dreams when they were all wondering why he was taking down the corn, you know, and yeah. here's my dad, you know, removing the front windows and cost him about $4,300 for the unit of the solar edition. And then he put in about $3,000 of his own money, including, you know, a quarry tile floor, which was also energy efficient. So even in 1983, during the energy crisis, you know, we were already thinking how we can, you know, maximize and save money and make things more efficient. So uh, my grandpa and my uncles um, worked from, I think it was about April to July of 1983 working on this front part of our house and it was even open i remember you know being pretty young and having like an opening to our house and and sure enough you know my dad got a tax break of like sixty five hundred dollars which you know even in 1983 was a pretty decent yeah amount of money and uh and even you know every may to october he would put up what's called these solar shades over the window and uh to, you know to keep the summer sun from really keeping the home too warm and even today the original fan that he installed that pushes air in and also sucks it out during the summertime are all still working as if they were on the first day so it's pretty impressive uh you know seeing him do that and then he's a gardener so his garden would be started in february in that solar edition and then transferred out so uh it was a really interesting way uh, to see, you know, energy efficiency at such a young yeah. age. Yeah, no, that's that's cool. And I wanted to share that story because I think it brings it full circle here with what you're it doing. It really does. And infrastructure and finance and, and energy efficiency. So, yeah, tell us a little bit about, um, you know, some of the projects that maybe you guys are evaluating. And for people that don't know the public infrastructure, public finance world, you know, maybe you could just give us just a brief, you know, one-on-one version of what, what you guys do and how you bring value to the market. Absolutely. And uh, Huntington has been a, a player in their footprint um, and as well as outside their footprint in the public finance space and has been growing it for years. And a lot of that has been leasing and whether that is regular uh, car leasing to uh, you know, leasing of school buses and other things in the public finance sector. So I'm going to talk a little bit more about my side and true government, but we also have a renewable energy finance team that has been growing over the years too, which I, you know, have to talk about what they do because what they do is in line with what I do just with bigger customers and bigger projects. But 
you know, we do everything from bond anticipation notes and things like that for governments and your traditional government financings. But now we've kind of transitioned and why they hired me was to be more focused on the government space and and in the energy sector. So with with partnerships with vendors, we just saw an opportunity there to be able to add value to our customers that were already walking in and asking questions, you know, hey, is this a good deal? And and also seeing deals come across from municipal advisors and us scratching our heads saying, you know, why why are our clients not approaching us with this? And then additionally, seeing uh, a lot of our relationships are with uh, ESCO companies and being able to add value to them because we can push a project to the finish line a lot faster with these ESCO companies than them getting an agreement to get a project done and then having to wait for a procurement process or something else like that to, to wait two to three months to get that done. Then you've stalled that project. And what I have found is working closely with an ESCO company, um, being at the forefront of the project and being able to show someone rates and you know what the terms are, that's a great way to push that project forward a lot faster for the ESCO companies. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to oversimplify you know, what you guys are doing, but I've just found uh, from a listener standpoint, if we can make this as simple as possible, I think the more that um, they're going to get out of it. So when you, um, when you evaluate projects, how much of your involvement is, is working directly with, let's say, the municipality that's evaluating an energy performance contract, and then you're bringing in an ESCO partner, and how much of it is partnering with the ESCO and looking at the relationship that way? So how much of your time is spent building relationships with the end users or the government entities versus building relationships with the ESCOs themselves? You know, it's funny because it's a great question because it's come up and now it's coming up more where our clients are actually approaching us and and even inside the footprint as well as outside the footprint where they're asking, hey, do you know someone, you know, do you know the company or, hey, we're getting bids. Have you worked with them? So we do get that. And, uh, mm. you know, it, it, especially with our walk-in customers and and some of these could be a school district in rural Southeast Ohio, you know, that isn't very, you know, they're not very progressive and they're not very understanding of the energy efficiency, but their buildings are old. Their HVAC systems are being held by hangers. So <laughs> it's a perfect you know, client for ESCO. It really is. Yeah. And, you know, so those are projects too, where, you know, we're able to, you know, link up with, you know, smaller, you know, folks that will do smaller deals. Um, you know, every ESCO has their, you know, par amount or deal amount they want to go after. And so we try to, you know, be understanding of that. But, you know, to really understand your to really take your question further is I think for myself personally is to be in at the onset with the vendors because we can help kind of um, facilitate those conversations that that salesperson you know, despite their knowledge of the engineering and their project and their products and their projects, when it comes to financing and current market rates and terms, and, you know, we look for things to add value like, hey, let's not even have a payment until the next budget year. That way, 
they don't even have to worry about it in this budget season. Let's hold the funds and pay the vendor directly so that government entity doesn't even have to, you know, pay. You know, they don't have to worry about the fifth of the month and drawing and paying. Let's do that for them. So we we've tried to position ourselves in a way where we can add value to both the ESCO and the the you know the facilitator of the product as well as the uh, government entity themselves. That makes sense. And you touched on it earlier as far as like the the renewable energy aspect within the Huntington portfolio. So I wanted to use that as kind of a, a launch point for looking out into the future, right? If you were to look 5, 10, 15 years from now, where do you see the energy infrastructure industry heading? We've had guests on previously that talked a lot about P3, public-private partnerships. We've had guests that have talked about particular technologies when it comes to combined heat and power or cogeneration. So from your vantage point, where do you see the industry heading and where do you see Huntington Capital fitting in with that vision? Definitely. The, uh, you know, our renewable team is uh, selective for sponsors and they look for experienced sponsors with, you know, good track records of developing, constructing, you know, financing and maintaining uh, solar PV facilities. most recently, we've collaborated uh, and done $100 million of financings for 88 solar PV installations in the city of New York school and municipal buildings. Uh, yeah, that, that installation itself uh, supports the city of New York's goal to expand their solar power on rooftops to 1,000 megawatts by 2030. So we're already working in the future. And, you know, I, I think Personally, you know, our our commitment by leadership and their growth mindset is is right there in this next you know decade because of you know when we turn on the news every night whether it's food sustainability, climate, uh, our own homes, energy efficiency is important in all aspects of our life. Yeah, hundred percent. No, I think that's uh, I think that's good stuff. I guess just one other piece I was curious about another theme that comes up, and especially as it relates to kind of the forward-looking aspect of things. Where do you see? I'm curious to get your take on this. Where do you see electric vehicles coming into play here? Maybe from a fleet standpoint. You talk about schools and school buses. I mean, where do you see? What's your What's your view on that? Well, you know, it's probably a credit guy's nightmare, but <laughs> a sales guy's dream, right? So. Um, that's a great question, and and Huntington actually has a um, equipment finance specializes in. Okay. Um, and most recently, I should mention that we took over. Uh, I shouldn't say take over. We acquired TCF Bank, and a lot of people don't know what TCF Bank is, but it was the perfect merger with Huntington because way there we're strong, we were weak, and where we're weak, they're pretty strong, and and that's really been one of those things. And they're actually the largest at the time, the largest bank in Michigan, which we all know is auto driven. So we have a, a dedication to automotive financing, and uh-huh. so therefore, you know, I would consider us one of those banks that want to be on the forefront of all of the financings involved with electric vehicles. And, you know, I, I think where some people might have hesitancy, um, I think we kind of are a bank and I don't want to answer, you know, in a way that, you know, management could, <laughs> you know, be unhappy with me where I sold the bank or something, but I'll just say that we're very supportive of projects like this and weekly calls 
you know, these are things that I, I know are brought up among that team. Okay. Yeah. We'll just put it on the record. We know Bryant is not the sole <laughs> spokesperson for Huntington Capital uh, Bank. Here, I, don't so. want, I don't want the stock to shift because of something I said. <laughs> All right. Let the, let the record reflect that. All right. So let's, um, let's transition to the last part of the show here, Bryant. Uh, same four questions that I asked to, to every guest who comes on and wanted to lead off here. What are your daily non-negotiables? Um, yeah, you know, I, I found that question uh, pretty good. You made me think a lot about that. And uh, I'll just make it pretty short and sweet. I think meditating and praying is something that I have to do every day or, you know, I think it, you know, stress can build up in different ways. Um, so uh, I think those are two important things that I do at the, you know, I sometimes say meditation is prayer, but, uh, you know, those are two things that I like to do. And then uh, I would just say carrying my daughter to bed every night. I have been traveling uh, recently, which is great to get out and see people again. I think it is so important to see people and look them in the eye. And that's really helped me grow the business here at Huntington. But carrying my daughter to bed is a fun thing that we do every night. Oh, that's really, that's really cool. I uh, try to do the same thing myself. Uh, that's that's neat. You know, a, and, I would say professionally, you know, I don't want to go to bed at night with, you know, something that's not wrapped up either. So, you know, that's one thing that I always do is just be responsive professionally and make sure that when the day is done, it's done. What advice would you give to your your 22 year old self? You're graduating from, I think we talked about, where, where did you go to school? Where did you do your undergrad? I went to Ohio University. Ohio. Yeah, you mentioned that. Okay. So you're graduating from Ohio. What advice would you give to your 22 year old self? I mean, the obvious answer, right, is to buy Apple and Amazon stock, right? And then you, you could have I bought are, enough, right? But uh, now, you know, I think there was a lot. I had an older brother who was a basketball coach. Um, he even went to the Division One level and ended up at Indiana. I think that you know he had instilled a lot in me in a young age. But some of the best advice I got at a young age was that, you know, if you say thank you, someone will do something for you again. And so I'm very high on gratitude. And, um, you know, it's it's something that I take very seriously. And, you know, nothing beats a handwritten note. Um, uh, Charlie Zitnick from D.A. Davidson, you know, a guy that follows up with a handwritten note. And it's just touching when you get something like that. And, uh, you know, I, I just. I have a lot of um, respect for, you know, people that are, have that mentality in life. And so I got to say the 22 year old self and I, a lot has changed since then, a lot more gray hair and a beard and all that. But, uh, you know, the, the things that were instilled in me then are still very much important now. Shout out to Charlie Zitnick, friend of the yeah. program. He, he's a good, good guy. Yeah, yeah, we'll have to include his episode in the uh, the show notes for this one. Yeah, great, uh, great episode with Charlie. All right, so what uh, what motivates you? What gets you out of bed in the morning? You know, I think that's uh, something that's changed over time. Um, I, I think I gotta say, always, you know, I, I like to, uh, you know, the twenty two year old self, right, was different motivated than myself. Now, um, I have two kids that are. Uh, very important to me. So I think that they make the big difference and they motivate me uh, and they will get me out of bed. That's for sure. Um, but, you know, I, I think that the biggest thing is just to uh, make a difference is to 
what motivates me each and every day in a positive manner. And whether that's helping out a, a client and, you know, we're in, we're in a business that is in banking. And I think a lot, a lot of times I think a banker is, you know, not the most favorite person, but, you know, we really are there to help communities out. And I think that's one of the things that really motivates me now is to, you know, kind of have a, a double-edged way of having success. And that's helping out my institution that I work for, but also the communities that we help out as well. Well, I feel like we could talk for hours, man, but I wanted to, um, I wanted to close out here and ask you, what do you want your lasting legacy to be? A few years ago, I would have said uh, a building or name street, a street named after me or something. But, uh, you know, I, I think now it's about my kids and, and just, you know, who they are also heavily involved in food initiatives and, you know, whether it's, and, you know, heck food initiatives also falls under the energy sector and, you know, gardening is one of the easiest ways that we can help our environment out. So, you know, uh, from a legacy standpoint, you know, I, I guess, uh, you know, it'll be how my kids end up and how I am as a parent. Um, and I think that's really important to me. But uh, I mean, essentially, I have probably just because it's this time of year, I just want to be known as probably the greatest fantasy football player ever. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, everyone's getting ready for their drafts. Aren't yeah. They? Uh, yeah, you call me if you need advice. But uh, uh, no, I, uh, I've got a good group of friends that we've been doing this over twenty years. So uh, if you lose, you have to wear an elf suit and things like that. So <laughs> it's it's one of those serious leagues. But uh, uh, well, I may uh, I may be giving you a call. I got a draft coming up here <laughs> soon. I haven't done my research, but uh, but Brian, I, I, this has been a blast, man. I'm glad we made this happen. I think it's a perfect way to wrap up the show. So thanks for coming on the Building Efficiency Podcast. Jim, I think you're doing great things. Your organization does great things. I am just grateful to be here and uh, this was cool. All right, you got it, thanks. All right, take good care. All right, there you have it. Episode 57 with Bryant Eckert. I hope everyone enjoyed this episode as much as I did. And if you did enjoy it, please be sure to subscribe to our channel wherever you enjoy listening to your favorite podcast. Now, we hope you're sharing this with your friends and colleagues as well. And one last thing, if you have any future guests from the industry in mind, please reach out to me. We'd love to hear from you loyal listeners. So until next time, I'm Jim Schaefer, and we'll catch you on the next episode.